Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Kim Walsh Phillips, and we're going to talk about how to move people from fans to customers. We're going to get into a concept known as direct response social media, and I know you're going to love it. And by the way, if you need to contact me, you can always email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And with that, let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Well, we all know that live video is a hot thing right now with Facebook Live rolling out to all of its users. We've got Periscope and who knows what's next, right? All these different apps that are out. You are probably thinking about doing a lot more video and a lot more live video and a lot more video using your smartphone. Well, Dave, the founder of iographer, sent me this most incredible rig And um, what it does is it allows you to basically take your smartphone, like your iPhone or your iPad, and mount it into this polyfiber rig, and it's got handles on the left and on the right, and in addition to the handles, which I'll get to in a second, it also has a mount for lenses. So you can put a telephoto lens or a wide-angle lens, and you can put a light mount and also a microphone like a directional microphone on top of it. Well, Dave sent me all this stuff. Uh, He sent me a bunch of lenses, a directional microphone, a a light, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I started doing some Facebook live videos with it, and everybody thought I looked awesome. And we are actually using this on location to do on-location shoots for Social Media Marketing World. And what's cool about it is you can hook it up to a tripod, Um, or you can carry it in your hands if you want to kind of move around and get motion. It's kind of like a filmmaker's dream if you're not a filmmaker. The fact that you can just snap your phone into this and put some lenses on it, um, which I think is really awesome. And I put a little video of it together and stuck it up on my Facebook page and it went viral (laughs) because everybody is like, what the heck is that thing? So uh, check it out. I know that the cases start at uh, about 60 bucks. And, you know, you can go crazy expensive if you decide to get Rode microphones and all this other kind of stuff. But um, I think it's really cool. I've never seen anything like it. And check it out at iographer, I-O-grapher, if you will, iographer.com. And let me know what you think. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast 
not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Kim Walsh Phillips. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Kim Walsh Phillips. If you don't know who Kim is, she's the CEO of Elite Digital Group, a direct response social agency. She's also a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine, and she's got a brand new book out called The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, a book that she co-authored with Dan Kennedy. Kim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor. So today, Kim and I are going to explore how to use social to turn cold prospects into warmer opportunities that might lead to sales. So Kim, I got to start with some of your story. Um, what did you used to do before you got into social media and how did you get into social media? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been at this for a long time and, you know, before MySpace. <laughs> and back then I was doing a PR. We were really good at getting our clients into the paper and throwing great events. But the problem was I couldn't show a return on investment for our clients. So I would bring all this staff on to run these big accounts and then it would be, you know, come time to renew and they would cancel. And now I had all these people I had to pay. So my, you know, what I would do is I would go out and get more business and I would run around to every networking event and chamber event and volunteer and trying to get that next job. Because the only way I really knew how to do it was to reach out my hand and shake it with someone hoping that they would want to do business with me. And um, this resulted in a lot of years of working really, really hard and being really broke. And, you know, there's a lot more fun ways to be broke than <laughs> working really hard. Um, and it actually got to a point of really bad times. Like one time I hawked my engagement ring in order to make payroll. Wow. Um, yeah, crazy time. So I've been there. If anyone you're in the shoes of working really hard and not feeling like you're getting paid what you're worth, I was there totally. And it wasn't until I had my first child that I had to do something differently. And a friend of mine gave me Dan Kennedy's book, um, his original one, The No BS Guide to Direct Response. And Uh. it was this, yeah, it was this mind blowing thing, right? So I thought, all of a sudden, I discovered how marketing could equal the results. Like I didn't know what any of that world was before. I just knew PR and social media. What, how, that, just out of curiosity, yeah, what ahead, year? Sure. What year are we talking about here? When you got the book? So this was 2010. Okay. Yep. So you read the book. Read the book, and I. But the thing was, Dan hated social media, right? Mm. And that's what I knew. I knew social. We'd been using it for our events and our clients, and we did some celebrity work, and we knew social. But I started taking his you know, his ideas and direct response and studying it like crazy and applying it to social media. And of course it worked because social is just a channel, right? And so we often forget because it's a channel that's different. We think, okay, none of those things apply, but the same really great 
marketing practices that businesses have been using to get results in other channels like direct mail or TV or radio can work just as well as social. And that became our niche. Not only did it start working to get us customers, but we were able to use those same strategies for our clients. And I could show them now every single week, not only you know the results they were getting, but exactly how much money resulted from every dollar they spent. And that's crazy for showing ROI and keeping your clients and growing their accounts, which is something we were never able to do before. So I was hooked. Awesome. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's a big part of, of our audience that kind of, you know, essentially just grew up with social media sure. and don't even really understand what direct response marketing is. So maybe what you could do is just bridge the two. Like, you know, what was direct, what was direct response and what now is now. And then after that, define what you're referring to when you say direct response, social media. Yeah, sure. And it's, it's cool too, because I'm really involved in social media and a lot of the social media world and leaders and I follow everybody and, you know, engaged in it. And then I'm also really involved in the direct response world. So it's like, I'm this little bridge, right? Between these two places, I know who all of you are. Um, so yeah, so social media is a place, right? That we can go and have conversations with other people and it's social. It's, it's not one dimensional. We're not going online to read a brochure. We're going online to have a conversation. That's social media. Direct response is when you're doing some type of behavior in marketing in order to get a reaction, whether that's for someone to click or someone to opt in or someone to make a purchase, you're doing it to get a response. So when you tie together social media and direct response, you're performing social media activities, meaning having conversations with people in order to have a direct result that is measured. Mm. And so it's the one twist on social that can provide measurable uh, results. Now, before social media, what was direct response? Direct mail, a lot of direct mail. You think of the infomercials, gotcha. print advertising. Yeah. And it's still, you know, going strong today. If you, any of you have Sirius or XM radio in your car, all those commercials you hear, generally those are good old direct response commercials driving you to an 800 number or a website in order to take an action. So the direct response world has pretty much been around forever, right? Forever. I mean, it's like an old... Yeah. you know, um, stodgy <laughs> space, right? Which is just, yeah. you know, using techniques that, that work and are highly measurable, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, are predictable, maybe is a better word, right? You know, if you mail X thousand, you're going to expect this kind of response, right? And then along came the internet and made it, you know, put a twist on things, I would imagine, right? Because in the early days, I've been at this since the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And in the early days, um, you know, email obviously was direct response and probably still is. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I sorry, I'm sorry I left that one out. But yeah, that was the big one. But this is the weird thing. So because email is free and easy and because social media is free and easy, it's a lot less likely to carry direct response, right? Because we don't. If you don't have to invest as much money into it, you're less apt to care as much about the results. Right. So I tend to see a lot more email marketing and social media marketing that isn't carrying a direct response message and isn't necessarily being measured. Right. And in the end, you know, everyone listening to this podcast is a marketer and every marketer mm -hmm. has an obligation either to their own business or to a business they work for to drive some sort of response. And it particularly mm -hmm. oftentimes that means help build an, a crowd or an audience that ultimately is the right crowd that will buy a product. However, there 
is plenty of people on social media that hate being sold to, right? Because it's this kind of mm-hmm. it's, it's this kind of catch twenty two. People aren't on social media with the intention of being sold to. They're there because they want to socialize. So how can we, as social media marketers, um, tap into that? You know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever been in the situation of being at that dinner party where you know that it's going to be a long night because the person starts selling stuff to you or trying to influence you in some way in a business way. And you're like, wait, this is way too strong. And that's the thing about Facebook. It's a cocktail party. Google is a shopping mall. People Mm. are there searching for products, programs, and services. Facebook, they're hanging out and having a good time, connecting with friends and family. So if you're going to interrupt their cocktail party with an excuse me, it has to be offering something of value and not showing up like the used car salesman because nobody wants to sit next to him at the dinner party. You want to be the interesting guest that gives enough value that that person is going to be willing to turn away from their best friend in high school who just posted a picture of their new car (laughs) to pay attention. You said at a cocktail party, it doesn't, you don't want to obviously go to a cocktail party and have someone start pitching immediately that just sets the wrong obviously um message to everybody that's at the party like i want to get the heck out of here so how do we go about um communicating on social media with our fans in such a way that we can get their attention and ultimately maybe get them ready for a moment where we could sell something to them Yeah, so I have a good formula, and when I listen to your program and I get step-by-steps, it makes me really happy, so I'm going to give some step-by-steps here. Okay, so the one way to do it, if you're already in business and you're already meeting with people and you you have chats with your customers, one of the things you can do is simply make a list of the 10 questions your prospects ask you most often. Or when you meet somebody at a dinner party and they ask you what you do and you tell them, What do they generally ask you about your profession? Just simply make a list of those questions. Or if you're just getting started and you're not sure or you want some additional ones, you can go to a free website, Quora, Q-U-O-R-A.com. That's really a database of questions people are asking. And then simply start to answer those questions. This makes for really great blog content. This makes for really great social media posts because you're simply answering the questions that those who might be interested in buying your products, programs, services are interested in asking. So give me an example of how you might do this for either a client or yourself so people can wrap their brain around this. Yeah, sure. So if we're going to talk about a doctor's office, perhaps, and let's even go to an orthodontist, somebody who's interested in getting braces, we would take them through the process of what are all the questions parents tend to ask you when they're considering getting their child braces. And we would make a list of all of those questions, and then we would begin to answer them, right? So we'd write one blog post, how, you know, are braces expensive, question mark, and then begin and write the answer. There's also great um, services that will help with this. One that I like a lot is Text Broker, T-E-X-T-B-R-O-K-E-R.com, and you can have in the show notes. And for really inexpensive, you could give them the list of questions, and then they have experts who will answer them for you and create copy-free or copyright-free content um, very inexpensively. I mean, it might cost you 10 bucks to write a whole bunch of posts, and um, they'll make as many edits as you want, not charge you anything else, but it's a great way to get started. And then each day in your social media content, you could either 
post a link to one of those great blog posts or use it for the post itself, such as a lot of people are curious as to how much braces cost. They generally range between, and then you give the price range. You know, it's a lot of that uh, example I know you guys loved of uh, Marcus Sheridan, how he did a whole bunch of content of answering questions and giving all the details out. That's how you establish yourself as an expert and you lead with value instead of someone who seems like they want to sell something. Okay, so just so I wrap my mind around this, Mm -hmm. um, I'm an orthodontist and I'm building up a Facebook following and Twitter following and I'm Mm -hmm. writing content that my customers are asking me and I'm sharing them on the social channels, right? Mm -hmm. But still, like if I'm on Facebook and I could care less about how much it costs for braces, how is that content not going to be perceived as advertising? Yeah, sure. So the way that it's, it would work is, first of all, in the social media posts, if somebody's going to like the page, they're going to have a relationship with him. Right. So we're not – that's only going to be seen by the people who have a relationship with the, with the orthodontist. So that's okay because then they've indicated interest in him and what he has to say. If we're leading out to cold traffic, which is what you're talking about – if I'm leading out and we're going to show this to Michael and maybe your kids, you know, you have some kids who might eventually get braces. Well, what am I going to show you? Well, in your news feed, I'm going to give you an article and it's going to be a title of something like the seven things I wish I would have known before my kid got braces. Mm, okay. okay? Yep. So it's something interesting like that and intriguing and something I might want to click on. And it's really just a pure piece of content. And it might have that question of, I had no idea how expensive braces are. I had no idea how inexpensive braces were. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter because the only reason why I'm running that piece of content, actually not the only reason, you want to establish yourself as a trustworthy individual. So it's to establish that orthodontist as an expert. We also want to bring in social proof. We want to share stories of people who were happy. But the main reason is I've now identified you as someone who's potentially interested in my services. Now that I know that, I can follow up with you with a second ad that might give you an offer to come in and have a conversation with me. In the case of the orthodontist, one of the offers that will run is a new iPad with any new braces. But I'm not going to show the whole world those ads because Facebook charges more for them and they're salesy. And again, Not everybody likes sales. And on Facebook, if you get too many negative comments on your ads, they'll kick you off. So you only want to show your sales ads to those people who've raised their hands and showed some level of interest because they first read your article. You know, it comes to mind, and I'm sure you're probably going down this road. But if you lead with a uh, seven things, you know, seven things you want to know before your kids get braces, and then you get people, you, you get that out there, and people click on it and they read the article. You can always remarket to those people, right, that visit that mm-hmm. page with some sort of a special deal, you know? Yeah, and that's what we do. I, I sometimes stay away from the word remarket because it gets people confused until they're into the, you know, the levels of, of marketing on there, but absolutely. So it's just like if you're on Amazon and you're looking for a product and that product starts following you around the internet, the same thing you can do with your Facebook advertising so you're not wasting money on offers to the whole world. You only show it to those that have showed they're interested because they read your first article. Getting back to the cocktail party analogy. Yeah. Um, I know that you and I spoke before about some of the some of the things you can do, for example, by engaging and celebrating 
Um, let's talk a little bit about what can we do to kind of build a fan base that feels some sort of affinity to us other than just blog posts. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was really cool to get to test this out. So when my book was first put on Amazon and I could tell my Facebook fans were on pre-order on Amazon, I just had to do one social media post and the book went to bestseller. And that's with no paid because I had been curating that audience for a significant period of time using this model. And that's what I recommend. Don't start selling with people right away. You've got to build that relationship. And one of the ways to do it is to follow a formula of the three C's. And that is, one, conversation. So you want to ask questions. You don't want to always be speaking to them. You want to ask questions about maybe what's their greatest frustration with your industry or what's one question they have about XYZ. The best way to increase engagement if you're not getting a huge response is offer an incentive. Simply say, um, answer us by XYZ date and you will You have a chance to win and mention a prize. You can't mention the words like, comment, or share in your post because Facebook doesn't like those. But you can say answer or respond. You can just use synonyms and they're okay with those. Um, so conversation, celebration. Oh, wait, 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 real oh, quick before you go to yeah. celebration. So do you recommend just asking the question and be done with it? Or do you actually recommend replying to all the answers that people give you? Oh, yeah. Great point. Reply. If somebody took the time to write something to you and you want to encourage more people to do that, reply to them publicly. Now, if it's positive, keep it all public. If it's negative, simply write a response of, thank you for your comment. I will private message you so people can see that's that you're responsive, that you're attentive, but then Facebook now gives business pages awesome control that you can now right-click on a name of anybody who commented on your page and private message them. So you can take any negative conversation offline or off the public, you know, portal very quickly. Now, so the gist of this, what I hear you saying is the mm -hmm. reason conversation is so important is, is the same reason it was important back in the day when you were a PR person and you were working the local, you know, Toastmasters or whatever, right? I mean, mm -hmm. because it's all about making a good impression, right? And it's people, people ultimately buy from those they know, like, and trust. And if you just appear to be some big behemoth personality that's lifeless <laughs> or brand, mm -hmm. then they mm -hmm. may not build that affinity with you. But if you go out of your way to answer them and provide value to them, they might say, wow, this Kim gal is pretty awesome. I think I'm going to pay a little more attention to what she's doing. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And you know, you think about it, who are you going to listen to? Your best friend who tells you the new Italian restaurant is amazing and you have to go. By the way, I'll take that recommendation from anyone. But or the newspaper ad, right? Right. Best friend. So our goal is to become as familiar and relationship as we possibly can with our audience because they're much more likely to trust and believe us and take actions that will benefit their lives in the end that we offer because we built that relationship with them. Cool. So conversation was the first C. What's mm -hmm. the next one? Celebration. So a big part of social media is getting conversations going with your audience because they're in the midst of their friends and family when they're online. And a great way to do this is to make your customers and your Facebook fans the celebrities of your page. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Well, 
people really don't care about your products, programs, and services. What they care about is how it's going to make their lives better. And an amazing way to showcase that is to show how it's worked in somebody else's life. So let's say you're you know, a nutritionist or a dietitian and you have some amazing uh, clients that you've worked with and you really help to radically change their lives. Well, why not do one Q&A a week with one of your great clients? Not just a simple cheesy testimonial because nobody cares about that, but instead a little bit of that like entrepreneur magazine type Q&A, getting to know them. You know, what are their interests? What's their story? How does their life change? Who are their friends and family? What's the vacation spot they've always wanted to go to? Just like silly, you know, human interest type things because that's what people care about and they want to see how do I relate to this person? Is this something like me? How does it, you know, does this give me hope that I could benefit from this too? interesting. It creates social proof. And one really cool side benefit is when you feature that person, they're likely to share it with all their friends and family. So you're building huge referral networks in automatically when you start featuring your customers on an ongoing basis. You know, it's funny because I just directed our um, marketing department to start doing this for our speakers for social media marketing world. Um, what we're what we had made was these cool little graphics that says, you know, presenting like Carlos Gill, you know, speaking at Social Media Marketing World on Snapchat. And mm-hmm. the, the idea is we're going to create these cool square graphics, which um, is kind of like a public announcement on our platform of somebody who um, we think is awesome. Right. Because they're somehow involved with our program. Right. In this yeah. case, they're speakers, but they could just as much be customers. Mm-hmm. And we tag that person. And we did that and he started getting very excited, you know, and all these people were commenting and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be quote unquote, a expert, it could be a customer and it could still be the same thing. And you know what? I don't know very many people that don't, if it's done well, want to share it or at least comment and get excited about it when they're profiled, right? Because everybody wants that, don't they? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And one little side note, it can work just for building community amongst your customers or your members. Um, for my church, we did this because we have a couple different services, and we just run a weekly campaign that we run a We Are Tower Hill Church campaign that we feature another member each week. And it's been really fun because people awesome. have gotten to know different people that they didn't know before. So it can work on the really small scale for organizations that want to help get members to know each other, too. Yeah, and you know, um, even if we take this to the content, which is the next section, you could mm-hmm. you could profile, you could encourage people to send in their questions, and then they get a chance to be profiled right on the social media. Like Jack Smith asks this question, and by the way, at the end, check out Jack Smith. He happens to be a a gardener, and if you need any gardening services in Los Angeles, he's your man. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and we do that with our marketing insider elite members. I just do a survey monkey. Um, a survey each month and it's to be featured on our post and in our newsletter. So it's great because it's a great way to streamline the whole thing. Very cool. Um, is it okay to celebrate not just with your customers, but celebrate some of your own wins? Like Kim, when your book came out, I would imagine you were excited and put some posts out there. And that was a bit of a celebration, it, it, even though it was a self celebration, I think done in moderation, could that be effective? And could your fans rally around you? Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's when they they feel part of the process. So throughout the whole book, I was doing little whispers about it. You know, I would show them like in my little writing retreat what was going on. When I sent the contract back, I showed it like taking them along the journey like a friend. 
Um, and they were they were excited and happy. And that's just, I have to tell you, that's one of the most amazing things about having an engaged audience is to feel that support. Because as you know, someone who's written a book, it can feel very painful, <laughs> especially, you know, during it the It always feels process. painful no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> but having the, you know, people cheering you on is just awesome. Yeah, so yeah. it's a great thing. No, I think it's awesome. And you could even celebrate milestones like, you know, at Social Media Examiner. We're about to hit 400,000 fans on our Facebook page, and I'm sure we'll be like Woo-hoo. celebrating that. And every year when we turn a new year old, we call it our birthday, you know? And um, Little Scout, who's our mascot, is going to be turning seven this year. <laughs> That's so cool. So, yeah, you know, people get, a, people get behind that kind of stuff. They do. We use a formula of um, 85% PBS and 15% QVC. And for the non-U.S. people, I'll explain what that is. Um, 85% PBS is the station that's generally giving content and, you know, giving it away. They're not charging. They're not um, advertising. Public processing system. And then the 15% QVC is the shopping channel, and they're selling all the time. So if you think about that formula, it's okay to be self-promotional and promote and offer links to your opt-in pages and reports or talk about something that's all about you about 15% of the time, and then the rest of it you want to be offering valuable content so we led with content before we got into these uh, Mm -hmm. conversations and celebrations is there anything else you want to say about content should some content be promotional or should all content be educational and then you know um, you use special kinds of things when you're promoting yeah so um what we talk about with content is that i want you to first make sure you're using it to establish yourself as a thought leader and, you know, people love to share each other's content, and that's great if you see a good article. But if you got a segment on the Today Show, it would really not be a very good decision to go on that segment and start talking about somebody else's business the entire time you're on the show. Right. And you want to look at your Facebook strategy, your LinkedIn, your Twitter strategies the same way. This is your media. This is your space to establish yourself as a thought leader. So you want to be providing content that's going to do that, that's going to be authored by you and shared by you to your market so that they see you as the opinion leader slash celebrity slash authority because those people get paid more. They get people line up to do business with them and they're able to grow. Um, So yeah, you can definitely pull the two pieces together. What I recommend is you want to have a sales goal and then you build your content around it. So if you know you want to, let's say it's an accounting firm and they know they want to get more um, financial planning uh, companies now and not just tax returns, they could build a whole series of content around you know decisions you need to make in financial planning for your business and then follow it up with an offer in the end. Interesting. So if I hear you properly, what you're suggesting is that you don't necessarily share other people's content on your social network, or are you suggesting that you only share your content? I just want to make sure I understood what you were saying there. Yeah, I don't I don't recommend that people share other people's content more than five percent of the time. I see. So mm-hmm. do it do it in moderation. And I mm-hmm. guess it really comes down to like what the purpose of your um, social platforms are. Like in the mm-hmm. case of Social Media Examiner, we share the majority, well, almost the almost half of the content we share is other people's content, but it's a little different because we are a media company, and yeah. we are trying to kind of keep people up to speed on the news of the industry, which often is broken on you know the blogs of the social networks and stuff. Um, our take on it is, we want to be the source where they find all that stuff, whether it's from us or not. But I would imagine if you're trying to establish yourself as a thought leader. 
it'd probably be better for you to write a short blog post of your interpretation of it, right? And then, or make exactly. a, or or go live on Facebook Live and talk about it, right? And that way, you get to be the dissemination platform, if you will, that they go to instead of your 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 social network, and then you sending them elsewhere, right? Yeah, and you guys are putting out so much content each day, right? So it's you're still establishing yourself as a thought leader every single day. Most small businesses are posting only one to two times a day, right. and so if that's the case, you want to make sure that. It's coming from your thought leadership. And when you are sharing other people's articles, you're never just posting the link in. You're curating the content, meaning you're going to tell people why they should pay attention to this article, maybe what you thought about it or a nugget or two you got out of it, or ask an engaging question about it. Gary Vaynerchuk calls it the jab, 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 right hook, where he says you provide so much value and then eventually the right hook is when you come in for the ask. Mm -hmm. So let's spend a few seconds talking about like, Assuming we're engaging with everyone and we're having conversation and we're celebrating them and we're making content that's truly valuable to their needs, where, you know, help us understand, like, once that's done, you know, and that's the majority, hopefully, of the content we produce, how should we ask for the sale or how should we promote, you know, because in the end, that's one of the primary objectives, presumably, of many people listening. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a cool model. One, I want if you have website traffic right now, I want you to look at your website analytics and see what page is getting the most traffic, especially if you offer a variety of services or programs. So as an example, we did this for a doctor's office, and um, we were able to see a certain procedure got more visits to her site than any other page. So we set up a whole campaign around this because now we know people are interested in this when it comes to this topic. We set up a lot of content. So we did three different ads that were offering articles. And if people are reading them, they're being engaged. So article one they see, then they're retargeted to article two, then they're retargeted to article three. And then the fourth ad they see is an offer to come in and make an appointment. For that campaign, we knew that it was going to take a little longer. It's a serious procedure. It's expensive. There's going to be time out of work. So we didn't just go a one-two punch of, I see an ad, I make a sale. For me, for my business, because we do social media content and we you know, offer training programs, we'll get people on webinars, I can simply have one blog post and then retarget to come on a webinar with me and we'll convert people into sales. Mm. So really, you want to figure out what makes sense for you in offline. How long do people take to make those purchasing decisions? Do they go from... You know, do they have to think about it? Are you a long-term decision? Are you a quicker purchase? And then set up a digital campaign that would mirror the decision-making process of your customers. What I like about this is you are essentially setting a bunch of measurements in place, right? You're you're Mm -hmm. essentially saying, okay, um, we know what you really want is content. So we're going to give you this content over here. And we're going to track to see whether or not you're consuming that content. And if you consume that content, then we're going to deliver up another piece of content using Facebook remarketing or Google remarketing. And then when you go to that content, we're going to do it again. So it's kind of like a magic funnel, isn't it? Where they're like um, magnetically content is coming to them based on the actions that they're doing. It's coming across the social networks. And then you can ultimately deliver another ad to them or maybe get them on an email list. And what's exciting about it is it all is kind of done off network. It's all done off the Facebook page, right? It's all done kind of behind the scenes. 
And that's what's, in, that's what's intriguing about this because then the person who comes to your Facebook page, they don't see constant pitches. They see mm-hmm. constant value. Therefore, they become a fan, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and this is where I think so many marketers get it wrong is they just post on their Facebook page, go here and say $500. And yeah, or that they doesn't work posts, anymore. Right, exactly. That everybody sees. But this means you're only showing your campaigns to those that are interested. So you're not wasting time or money. And you're still able to engage your fans at the same time. Yeah. And what's so cool about this is Facebook gives you metrics. So you can tell exactly how many people who saw ads one, two, and three became customers and how much that cost you per customer. So even the dollars are trackable by using that method as well. Well, um, that is so cool. Um, (laughs) And, you know, we didn't even get into the story of how you ultimately hooked up with Dan Kennedy to write this book, but I'm sure it's a, it's an awesome story. You know, it was flowers in the meadow and skipping. (laughs) 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 Anyone who knows him knows that's not true. Yeah, (laughs) that's too funny. Well, um, your book is a beefy book. Um, There's a lot in there and we've just barely scratched the surface of it. So why don't you tell everybody where they can get the no BS guide? to direct response, social media marketing, and also where they might be able to discover more about you, Kim. Yeah, so it's available where all fine books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks. And then um, I have a long, long URL, but I know you can get in the show notes um, to give you a free chapter if you want one. It's the No BS Social Media Book Chapter Download.com. No BS Social Media Book Chapter Download.com. Awesome. Kim Walsh Phillips, author of the No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing. That is that is a mouthful. It's long, long. And there, I didn't even make you say the subtitle. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today and um, opening our eyes to the whole direct response social media world. I know that um, a lot of people are, are now thinking about ways they can do things on social media that they frankly haven't been able to figure out before. And I uh, thank you for coming on. And I really encourage everybody to go grab a copy of her book. Thanks, Kim. Oh, it was my privilege. Thank you. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. I know there was a lot that we mentioned. And if you didn't catch it, we take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 185. Also, if you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player. You don't want to miss our future episodes. And we have some amazing shows coming. Trust me. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.